welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, we got to talk about revival. we got to talk about revival. Everybody feel all right? Everybody feel good to be in the house of God? A house of worship, house of praise, house of prayer. My goodness, I love it. We're going to Acts chapter 2, and uh, all the church people love some Acts chapter 2. Am I right? Come on. And, uh, yeah, non-church people are like, I got to get out of here. This is weird. Just hang on. Hang on. It's okay. Acts chapter 1, let's reverse. Acts chapter 1, there's some cool stuff that happens. Really, after Jesus, has, he's come to earth, the Son of God. He lived a perfect life, a life we could never live. He died on a cross paying for our sins. He rose again. Jesus is alive and well today. He offers us life, forgiveness, and the only way towards heaven for eternity in the presence of God. Jesus is awesome. He walks with these disciples, these ordinary men. Acts chapter 4 says that they're ordinary, untrained men, and people marveled at their boldness. But in Acts chapter 4, to get that boldness, it's what happened in Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells these disciples, says, listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses all around the world. And he says, but you got to wait. Go to Jerusalem and just wait. You gotta wait. And they're like, well, what are we waiting for? And Jesus, I mean, he walked with these guys. He, he told them, he told them what was to come and they just forgot. It's crazy how our human minds are quick to forget. And side note, just think back right now, for those of you that are in Christ following Jesus, think about who you were and where you were when Jesus entered your life. What has he done for you? How about we build a little bit of gratitude in our life, a little bit of thankfulness that God rescued us and saved us and forgave us and made us new. Our sin, past, present, and future is forgiven. We are put in right standing with God, not because of our good works or right doing or hard trying, not because of our merit, but because we get to step into the perfection of Jesus Christ because he lived it for us and he died in our place. And so they're waiting in Jerusalem. So they're like, well, we don't even know what we're waiting for. And they go on the day of Pentecost up to the upper room with 120 people. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, the beginning of Acts chapter 2, here's where it is. It says, like a mighty rushing wind, the sound like a mighty rushing wind filled that upper room. It's incredible. The presence of God like they had never experienced before. I mean, they walked with Jesus, but now Jesus had ascended to the Father. So now they didn't get to see God physically, but they get to experience the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they're baptizing the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they've got greater power, greater boldness, greater faith to go do and accomplish what God. It was a big deal. They needed that moment so that in 2020, we could sit here in the city of Apple Valley and worship in the church of Jesus Christ it's because of what happened in Acts chapter 2 this is the birth of the church the beginning of the church it's incredible and it's so incredible that in that upper room when this was happening people from all around the city begin to flock this area saying what's happening thousands of people showed up can you imagine revival where God's doing something so potent and powerful that thousands of people they catch wind on social media or online or in their neighborhoods and they just start flocking they say I don't know what it is I don't know if I believe it I'm not sure but I'm hearing some stories I'm hearing some testimonies and I got to get there and so 
thousands of people have gathered and Peter, the one when he was with Jesus was like, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm your guy. And then in the garden of Gethsemane, if you remember, he starts slicing ears off and he runs away and he goes back to be a fisherman and forgets it all. Yet God redeems him, restores him. That same Peter filled with the Holy Spirit begins to preach the first sermon after Jesus Christ had died, rose again, ascended to the Father. He begins to preach the first sermon in the name of Jesus Christ, offers a salvation call, if you will. And that's what we're gonna read. Verse 37 says this, Peter's words, he's preaching to thousands. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41 says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. If he's done it before, he can do it again. If he's done it before, he can do it again. We need a church that's believing in great expectation for a new great awakening. Our city needs it. Our church needs it. Your family needs it. Yourself needs it. Our country needs it. We need, Lord, send a revival. Send a revival. You are the solution and the answer. And verse 43 says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. The presence of God, deep sense of awe. And by the way, we're gonna have a lot of fun in this church, but we are gonna be careful about the worship of God. We're gonna do spiritual things in a spiritual manner manner. The children that are in this room, it is good for you to be in here, to be raised in a spiritual atmosphere, to see your parents sing, lift their hands, praise God, worship, pray out loud with their mouth. It's a good atmosphere for the kids to be in. It's incredible, but you don't need to wait for church on Sunday to create this atmosphere. This is what you should build in your home. Let your children see you pray. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We're believing for that, miraculous signs and wonders, even today. And all the believers met together in one place. Check it out, they met together in one place. Where? Met together in one place. There's theology behind our church gathering. Why does it matter that we gather? There's theology about the New Testament church that we will do large gatherings, but not just that. If we continue, it says they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the Money with those in needs. We're talking extreme generosity. They worship together at the temple and they met in homes. The church of Jesus Christ is in large gatherings and in homes. It's both and, not one or the other, not one is better than the other. It's both and. This is the, the framework of the church that Jesus set up. They met in homes and they took communion together, the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. We are in need of revival. Revival means that which was dying begins to breathe and live again. Right now, there's, there's people in this room and you feel like the dreams you had are dead. The business you were building is dead. The, the, the thought you had about your family, it's dying out. It's losing ground. It's, it's not gonna happen. This is impossible. But we believe in a God who can breathe new life, new life 
and to that which was dying. We need revival. The title of this message is Lord, send revival. Lord, send revival. I'm gonna pray one more time. And if you could just pray for the Olson family. Scott Olson, uh, our facilities director here, went to be with the Lord two nights ago. And uh, Leslie Olson, they're part of our campus. But if you got nothing to pray for, pray for the Olson family, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would fill their lives. And we get to believe and celebrate that Scott Olson right now is standing in the presence of Jesus with no pain, no hurt, no sickness, no tears. He is in the presence of Almighty God and we will see him again. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this room. Lord, I just pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. Lord, you have access to every nook and cranny of our life. Shake us up, wake us up, Lord. Do something that we've never seen before. We need revival in our lives and in our church and in our city and in our nation, Lord. So more people could come to know you just like the day of Pentecost 3000. Lord, we pray for that time and time and time and time again that people would come to know you. That's what it's all about. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody sit. Amen. I grew up in the church. Some of you know that. I was a pastor's kid. Grew up in a spiritual environment. I remember Sunday mornings waking up. I was a morning person. Any, any morning people in the room? Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. I see a coach back there, morning people. Oh yeah, praise God. I would wake up early Sunday and see my dad out on his knees praying. He's getting ready to preach and he would just in our living room just be on his knees praying. And I'd be like, dad, I'm hungry, get me some breakfast. And he wouldn't talk to me, shunned by my own father. But when he was done praying, he'd get up and help me out. For some reason, I remember random bits of the story too, just these mornings and after praying, helping me out, he'd always get his dress socks on, which as a kid, you don't understand why that's such an adventure, you know, the long black socks. Putting socks on, the older you get, for me at least, is getting harder. Um, but I remember him getting ready and getting ready to go to church. Sunday morning church is amazing. You know, I remember getting there and I just felt like it was my honor like to, I would go get my dad a cup of coffee and we grew up in a small church and it was styrofoam cups and it was uh, you know coffee flavored water really and uh, just get him a cup of coffee just the right amount of cream and I'd deliver it I would remember these ran like random and somebody's like why is he preaching about coffee I'm out this is a weird church I'm just saying, I just rem I remember, and I remember going to Sunday morning was Sunday school with Ethel Monroe, and then I graduated that Sunday school class. I got to go to Ron Ron and Fewer, this amazing farm man, just tough guy. And he'd preach from a felt board like, like Jesus was coming back today, and he'd just rip it up, Ron Ron and Fewer, and he's also in the presence of Jesus right now. I remember my Sunday school teachers. That was Sunday morning church. You'd go, you get get a word, and go home. It's amazing. But then, uh, if if you grew up in church, maybe you've had this experience. Uh, we're, we're Sunday afternoon after naps, right? Anybody still do Sunday afternoon naps? Praise God for some nap time. All right, then we'd wake up and we got to do it again. Sunday night church. Anybody remember Sunday night church? All right, Sunday night church was different than Sunday morning church. Am I right? It was like there's a di it was a different experience. I don't know why. It was, I don't know what's what's the deal. But it would be like a three hour service. And as a kid growing up, I'd be like, why do we got to be here? This is just so, we were here for two services this morning. We go on Wednesday, which is kind of fun because it's kind of made for us. But I feel like Sunday night church is a different thing. Sunday night's so long, can we just get out of here? And I also remember times when I was maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 as a kid, Sunday night church. And uh, 
I remember hearing Craig Heiser just singing low bass as loud as he could, just right in my ear. I felt like he was doing it to offend me. This guy's singing so loud in my ear. Can he calm down? My mom would sing the alto line when I learned how to sing harmonies. I learned how to sing the alto line. So that caused problems for me in middle school and high school. Like, what, what are you, why are you singing the girls part? I just didn't, I didn't know. That's what I learned. That's what I heard my mom sing. I'm sorry. But I remember my dad would give altar calls there. It wasn't just salvation calls, but it was for you need a touch from God. And I remember as a kid, there were moments, not just mom and dad, can we get out of here? But there were moments where I would lay on the floor with my face down, desperate for the presence of God, holding on to the legs of my chair. I didn't, as a kid, know even what I was asking for. I didn't know what I wanted. I just wanted something. I wanted God to show up. I wanted to see him. I wanted to feel him. I wanted to know him more than ever. There's something. And even as I'm sharing this story, there's something stirring up in some of your hearts saying, I, I, there's, there's a flame inside of me that's like that. And you feel like it's been suppressed. And God's saying, I'm getting ready to rip it open. I'm getting ready to turn the gas up on that pilot light so that you would be a burning flame for me. I remember as a kid, just desperate for the presence of God. I remember sitting in my room with my eyes closed saying, God, I just want to see you. Jesus, let me see you. Let me be the one person on planet earth that just gets to really see you so that I know you're true and I feel special. And I begin to confess sins I didn't even commit. And I'm trying to get in right standing so that I could just open my eyes and see him. What's crazy though, is I had that desperation as a six-year-old. And for some reason, I've lost a little bit of that as a 31-year-old. And we need that same type of desperation that God could do the impossible. That he stirs up an atmosphere of believers that say, we're going to, I don't care how long we got to be here, but we're going to be here until God, you move. Like Hannah coming to the temple saying, God, I will not leave until I get what was promised to me. We need some Christ followers that say, I'm going after the promises of God, believing in the miraculous, believing in his power. I will not leave until God, you move in my life. We need revival. Our church is an Assemblies of God church. And in um, 1906, there was a revival. So if it happened in Acts chapter two, it can happen today. And if it happened in 1906 in Los Angeles, it can happen today. The Azusa Street Revival was led by a man named William J. Seymour. You can put up a picture of him. He's an African-American man, son of former slaves. This is before civil rights. He led this revival, preaching and leading the way, an incredible man of God. And out of Azusa Street Revival, there were multiple denominations birthed, but one of them being the Assemblies of God, which is incredible. Let me read what happened a little bit at this Revival On the night of April 9th, 1906, Seymour and seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Brad Street. When suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor. And the other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout out loud, praising God. The news spread quickly. The city, the city was stirred. Crowds gathered, and a few days later, Seymour himself received the Holy Spirit. Services had to be moved outside to accommodate the crowds who came from all around. People fell down under the power of God as they approached. Just imagine that. Before people walk through the door frame of one of our buildings, what if they felt and sensed the presence of God like never before? They knew that as they approached this building, that they knew that they had found what they had been looking for, the longing in their hearts. God says that 
He said eternity in the hearts of men. And so people are looking whether they realize it or not. And what if on the approach in the parking lot, on the drive, they feel a peace that surpasses their understanding. They feel the presence of God, a comfort like never before, a smiling face and a warmth from God. What if they experienced that? What if before a sermon was preached or an altar call was given, people began to give their lives to Jesus, even in the parking lot, because they know that this is what they've missed. What if before somebody typed in, rivervalley.org and pressed enter. They're about to press enter, but all of a sudden they are hit by the presence of God like never before. And they fall to their knees and say, Jesus, you have my life. God, you have my life. This is revival. We need it. We need it. This, if it's happened before, he can do it again. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit and the sick were healed and sinners received salvation. They said this, nearly unprecedented at the time was the way in which African-Americans, Latinos, whites, and others worshiped together. In 1906, Frank Bartleman was there all three years of this revival and said the color lines were washed away by the blood of Jesus. Do we need revival or do we need revival? Lord, would you send it? Lord, would you send it? All people, all generations, all races, all walks of life under one church and under one family. We sit under the name of Jesus, Lord. We need you to unify us. We need you to revive us in Jesus' name. It's hard to lead in a climate of crisis or chaos. And if you're a parent, you can understand that. You had to figure out how to homeschool your children. You had to figure out how you're gonna make ends meet. My wife's a hairstylist and so she was not able to go to the salon for three months. We know what it's like. All of a sudden, boom. I've never met somebody that lived through a pandemic before. It's hard to lead. Right? If you own a business, you understand, like you had to make some tough decisions, some tough calls. I'm grateful to be here at River Valley and serving Pastor Rob and Becca and, and they had to make some tough calls about what they heard from the Lord. And it's crazy, I'm just, I'm just gonna be as transparent as possible. As soon as we announced reopening, you got half the church going, what? You're gonna reopen, you're gonna put people at risk, you're gonna put people in danger, risking lives, I can't, I can't believe it. You also got the other half of the church, let's not forget, that are like, you should have never closed the building in the first place. Are you even following the word of God? Are you, are you, are you, listen. The people cheering, the people cheering, you definitely fall on that side. But listen, listen, there has to be, listen, there has to be grace for all walks of life. It's okay to come to church and make sure your purse is close to you because somebody might not know Jesus in this place. And if we live our lives as Christ followers, arguing and fighting and pointing out other people's faults, we will miss it. We gotta get on the same page. And in no way am I saying we shouldn't have crucial conversations. We shouldn't have wisdom. We shouldn't work with our government and policies and procedures. I'm not saying that. We need to have the tough conversations, but then we need to get back to pointing people to Jesus, saying, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through you. We need to start to unify. When stuff happens around the world with all racial tension, but not just around the world, in our own backyard, the city of Minneapolis, and it's erupting and it's a problem. As soon as you, as soon as this is happening and you're not saying anything, you got half the church saying, you're not saying anything. What are you doing? Why aren't you speaking up? I can't believe this. And you got the other half of the church, as soon as you do say something, say you're saying the wrong thing, you're leaving out 14 other groups and you're offending people, you're lining with the wrong, this is a hard time to lead. And we need to have the hard conversations. 
We need to be okay talking about things that are uncomfortable. And listen, nobody's perfect. Nobody's got it all right. But wherever we fall in these different situations and these different lines that, that break up the church, we need to have the conversations but get to the point that Jesus is the answer. You might see it a different way. I might see it this way. But we both serve Jesus Christ. We're in this together. Our goal is to reach the world for Jesus. The band, the band can come back up. We're going to sing, but we need revival. And in no way am I saying, you don't, you don't got to feel bad for Pastor Rob and Becca. They, they were assigned by God to lead this church, and they made hard calls. And you might have never made the calls that they did, but how about we sit under our, our spiritual authority and our pastors and say, we trust you. We may not get it. We trust you. We're honored to be here. You want to know what? It's not about Pastor Rob and Becca. We honor them, but God will honor you when you make those decisions, saying, I might not have all the details. I might not have been in every meeting. I might not see it the way you do, but I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to go. If you're watching online, if you're in the building, it's all good, but we're a part of this church, and I believe God's getting ready to birth something new. These are labor pains that we're going through. These are difficult times that we're going through, but God is going to birth something. This is not just me. Pastor Rob preaches, is preaching this online. All of our campus pastors preaching the same thing because we believe God is getting ready to send revival, and we need it like never before. We need it like never before. I talked about the breeding ground of a miracle, and I'd love to say five things that I believe are the breeding ground of revival. Five things. So what can you do? I I want in on this. I want to be a part of this. I, I need revival. The first thing is you need to repent. Turn from your wicked ways, turn from your sin, and turn towards God. Zechariah 1, 3, and 4 says, Therefore say to my people, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, Return to me, and I will return to you. Don't be like your ancestors who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophets said to them, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. We need to turn around and turn towards God. We need to repent. Lord, forgive us of our sin. Expose in us areas that are not like Christ. Lord, help us be more like you. We repent of our sin. Make us new, wash us clean. In Jesus' name, the second thing is you need to return to your first love. We need to return to our first love. John, the one Jesus loved, after being boiled in oil and surviving, they sent him to the island of Patmos and he had a vision of Jesus and he wrote essentially a poem called the book of Revelation. And in this book, God says to the church in Ephesus, which is in Turkey, if you go on Global Team Turkey someday, you can go to those ruins and see where that church was. It's incredible. But he wrote to the church in Ephesus, hey, you're doing a lot of good things. And it could be the same said about River Valley. River Valley, you're doing a lot of good things. You do, man, how many global teams you do? How many, what you do for Kingdom Builders? Amazing, you guys, how many life groups you have? Is what you do for Next Generation and Worship Albums? It's amazing, you do some good things. It's great, you guys are doing good things. And God was saying to the church at Ephesus, you're doing good things. But it says this in chapter two, God says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Revival is all about falling in love with Jesus all over again.
The third thing, we need to return to prayer. Nehemiah chapter one, the city of Jerusalem had been taken over and they destroyed the walls and Nehemiah, man of God, his city, his people, the wall that surrounded Jerusalem had been torn down. It says this, they said to me, this is Nehemiah talking, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven before we look to new policy, new laws, new organizations that are gonna solve our problems. We need to sit down, kneel, we need to weep, we need to fast, we need to pray, we need to go to God first. How about we be a church that goes to God first? We pray first. We need to return to prayer. We need to return to God's word. Number four, not just listening, hearing, but applying and obeying. Number five, we need to return to unity. Can we stand to our feet? We're gonna get out of here in just a moment. We're gonna sing again. If you're here saying, there is a a fire in me, even if it's a pilot light, or it's even growing during this service. It's growing and you're saying, I am desperate. I'm desperate. God, I want you to do I want you to do something. I don't even know what I'm asking. If you are hungry for revival, would you just lift your hands across this place? And let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask that again, you would forgive us of our sin, Lord, that you would meet us here today. There are needs in the room. I pray that before people leave, they would sense your presence and your miracle working power would have its way, that needs would be met, that you would do the miraculous, Lord, that you would empower us. Lord, I pray for anybody that's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that even in this atmosphere, they could be filled with the Spirit for the first time. We believe you're able to do that with new faith, new power, new boldness within them, greater gifts, Lord. And so we just pray in this atmosphere as we get ready to sing, we pray, Lord, send revival. Lord, send revival. Come on, all God's people said amen.